and welcome to the NDA Podcast. My name is Justin Pierce and I'm the editor. Today's podcast is one in our series called CMO Confidential, where we talk to CMOs who, while not digital in job title, definitely have digital understanding and knowledge as part of their very DNA. Today's interviewee actually does have digital as part of his job title. He's Chief Marketing and Chief Digital Officer at Easy Hotel. It's Rav Dalliwell. And he's got some fascinating insights onto how digital is becoming so important, not just to the role itself, but why the importance of digital to that role is becoming critical for company's success or failure. Hi, and thanks for joining us on the NDA podcast, CMO Confidential. Before we kick off, do you want to give us a bit of an intro to yourself? Who exactly are you? Where do you work? What do you do there? Yeah, hi, everybody. My name is Rav Daliwal. Um, I'm the Chief Marketing and Digital Officer for Easy Hotel. Um, we are uh, an international hotel chain um, with operations both in the UK and continental Europe and beyond. Thank you. Well, great to see you. So before we start, I mean, how's how's the last 18 months been for you? Obviously, you work in the travel industry, the first one to be hit. Uh, it's We're coming up to the end of the year. Black Friday is, is tomorrow. So what's life like? Yeah, absolutely. It's been um, full of uh, some quite unprecedented change, obviously, as we've kind of seen ourselves through what I would say the kind of second half of COVID, kind of the vaccine stage of COVID. And um, us being a hotelier, we've obviously brought in various uh, measures to try and give security and safety and confidence to to customers um, as we try and rebound out of COVID and towards a, um, a fully fledged recovery in the economy. So, you know, I think we've we've done pretty well. I think we've, we're trading quite robustly, um, but also we know that in 2022, and we're expecting a, a lot more um, of a rebounding in terms of international footfall, obviously back into the UK as well. Um, so we hope that the, the, the robust growth that we've made um, gives us a good base to, to really push forward next year and, um, and consolidate our gains, not only in the UK, but in Europe. Great. Okay, so let's talk about, about the CMO role in general, really. This, the point of CMO confidential is to, to examine what the CMO role itself actually means to the people holding the role in the company. Which they sit. So let's start off. What does the CMO role mean to you in the first place? Well, I think obviously we've seen an evolution at top level, at sea level, in terms of um, the individual responsible for the customer, um, responsible for the brand, um, and then also obviously we've seen with the proliferation of digital into the mix, um, a lot, a lot, lot more hybrid roles in place. So um, obviously, I the CMO role itself has kind of morphed um, from being one that's obviously started off very brand heavy um, and very kind of ad heavy, advertising heavy. Um, and obviously we've seen the kind of last 10, 15 years, um, the introduction of, for example, user experience, uh, insight analytics, um, and obviously um, core digital accountability for for trading um, as well as marketing. So I'd like to think that the role has um, somewhat been beefed up over the last five, six years, certainly. Um, and obviously, as we look now towards how digital experiences drive the physical experience, omni-channel retail, et cetera, um, I think you're starting to see digital itself um, and the, the core amount of data that's available play itself um, into the fore in terms of decision-making at board level. So, so, um, previous businesses that I've worked at now, obviously, um, the use of um, whether that's loyalty data, customer insight data, um, CRM data, um, that has all now been used 
a higher level in terms of decisioning, um, which I think is a is a real boon for the industry because if you look previously kind of certainly some of the people that, that maybe I've worked with in the past um, have not tended to be digital natives um, tended to more kind of be offline kind of brand people who've kind of inherited digital so I think you're starting to see that next evolution of, of leader um, in terms of a digital native who has lived that experience um, and has lived that digital ecosystem for the vast majority of our working careers now. So uh, I'd like to think that that will play itself into the boardrooms of uh, today and tomorrow. I think that's that's so true. We've definitely seen a rise of the digitally literate and digitally experienced CMO. And 20 years ago, when I first became a journalist, this definitely wasn't the case. Most CMOs, well, at that stage, they weren't CMOs. They were called marketing directors way back then. But how important has this rise been, do you think, in terms of what companies are now able to do with their digital channels? Well, I think, first of all, having the representation at board level is is uh, a, a step in itself, because I think what certainly what I saw in the early stages of my career was is that digital was kind of a bit of an afterthought. Um, and certainly in retail, there can be a bit of there was a bit of a kind of stores versus digital mentality um, when really the customer doesn't shop like that. And the customer is agnostic now to uh, their location, certainly when they um, when they shop with a lot of retailers. So I think what it's um, enabled um, senior levels to do, um, and, and even if you look at a finance level as well, in terms of you know, my relationship with, with my CFO is very strong. So that we're able to have very honest discussions about future investment potential um, to, to drive footfall into our hotels, to drive awareness, to drive direct response. So I think building those relationships um, with credibility has been something that I'm sure a lot of digital leaders would say has been on the rise. Um, and also it gives it really gives the focus to, to where the, the future is headed because I think it's very easy to give um, column inches and give headlines um, to, to digital, but what is the actionable change that we will drive as a result of having these individuals on our boards um, in, uh, in perhaps um, in, our, in other parts of the business, whether that's uh, advising, consulting, um, it's really important that we take those learnings because you can see the, the pace of digital evolution, even in COVID alone, um, was vastly um, accelerated and what that did was obviously give a real advantage to those companies kind of moving out of, of COVID who'd maybe uh, perhaps upgraded their infrastructure or their websites or apps etc they were primed for um, the ability to move at speed so I would say the ability to be an agitator and to, to create um, positive business change at speed um, is definitely uh, a, an advantage, I would say, to having these roles more elevated at sea level. What do you say? There's a lot of discussion about the fact that there were seven years or five years of uh, experience in one year, you know, during the pandemic. As you say, the companies that were able to pivot quickest, the ones that won, especially with the military e-commerce. So what are you seeing as the, the ability of companies themselves to change our uh, after this, I know you can't speak for other companies, but is this going to make companies focus more on the need to have digital experience at board level, do you think? I think what it's certainly done is that when when COVID happened and obviously you removed people, uh, a lot of people's biggest selling channel, which is physical, um, f- from then on in, it, it kind of busted a lot of the assumptions about how we trade as businesses. Um, and, and also, I think it gave a lot of credence to the, the customer mindset that, they are agnostic in terms of location. And I think that now that that's been proven out 
quantitatively in terms of whether that's cannibalization from retail into digital for certain retailers um, and other sectors um, in, in e-commerce. I think what you're now seeing is that there is a real appreciation for, first of all, nailing the customer experience. And when I say the customer experience, I mean the unified customer experience. And that's a, uh, a view that many retailers and many other companies and in, in sector by sector, um, we perhaps not really paid that much attention to. But then when, when obviously COVID struck and, you know, 80, 90% of your customers are then viewing that channel in isolation because of lack of availability elsewhere, that led to um, a forced step change in terms of how we view uh, supply chain, how we, view, how we view logistics, how we view marketing and brand, social, um, the ability to get messages out there very quickly in times of global panic, um, for example. So, and, and also levitating and creating and engendering community, um, which I think we've seen quite strongly um, at Easy Hotel is that, over the, the times of COVID, the ability to keep in touch with customers and the ability to, to say, hey, we're still here, we're coming back. Obviously, the world's in a, a pretty potentially scary place at the moment, but we're here, we're with you, et cetera, I think helps to give customers some reassurance um, as well on a deeper level. And I think that the brands that are not shy of communicating on that level are the brands that I think did quite well um, over the period of, of COVID. I think you're right. I think consumers just live frictionlessly across every channel nowadays, and they get quite surprised when the brands they deal with don't. You know, it's definitely accelerated. But you mentioned your relationships with um, different C-suite roles. Uh, we're seeing, I mean, the reports I saw most recently was that um, technology takes up 30% of marketing budgets now. Uh, and very similar reports come out. So how is the relationship changing with, with the CIO? You know, the two were, used to be very separate, I guess, than all the things you're discussing about making you know, physical experiences more digital, et cetera, rely on technology, which relies on the CIO, I presume. So how is that relationship changing? I think from experience, one of the big uh, challenges that I've, I've always had in businesses has been, there's been a lot of data in, in businesses, but it's been in very disparate places. And it's been quite hard to extract and it's been quite hard to realise um, insight from certain sections of data. So in terms of how I've worked with, with CIOs and with, with those functions in the past, I think that my view very much is about how we surface data, um, how we mine for that data um, and derive the correct insight. Because I, I don't think that businesses are short of um, customer extractable information, data um, and even in the future, algorithmic insight as well. So I think really it's about how we work synergistically to open up those opportunities because then that's where the likes of marketeers are able to utilise that insight to look at certain subsets of customers that perhaps we need to go after or certain customer bases that we um, need to create further loyalty from, et cetera, et cetera. So I think really um, in, in today's age with the use of, again, I go back to CRM, I go back to really heavy data sets, the ability to surface those heavy data sets and derive them um, to a point where we can drive, different teams can drive action or insight. So whether that's in retail, whether that's merchandisers, whether that's traders, whether that's marketeers, um, whether that's people in uh, analytics and insight functions themselves. So I would say that over the, certainly now and going forward, um, I would imagine that that, 
synergy between those roles. Um, I think in some roles, in some businesses, those roles uh, mix and they, they join up, um, depending on perhaps the size of businesses or um, the where the accountability sits. Um, but obviously, in, in more traditional blue collar businesses, you probably will see um, further collaboration um, amongst those roles, purely because of the need to derive um, actionable insight through data. Um, and I think that the more um, the collaboration occurs to enable that, um, the more you'll see customer-first strategy, because really, otherwise, it can be in, in the eyes of the beholder or in terms of an internalised view of what the best strategy is, when really the data will always point you towards, from a customer perspective, what, what does the roadmap look like? What are the key pinch points in the website, the app, the physical experience, et cetera? So I, I'd like to believe that over the the next kind of medium to long term, that that's a, a really key relationship at board level that will enable businesses to move forward. And again, I say at pace because first move advantages these days are, are very important. When you're talking about data, something comes to mind is obviously there's, there's big macro changes going on with, with things like third party cookies. And obviously the key now is first party data, which on Easy Hotels clearly critical for you being the travel industry so what are you seeing in terms of the the impact of these big changes like the removal of third-party cookies or is uh, your pure focus on first-party data making that less of less of an issue i think because of some of the the uh, marketing companies advertising companies that we partner with um there's there will always be that um potential that lack of trackability um, and that lack of um, even in terms of things such as attribution um, underweighting of certain channels potentially in terms of the value that they drive versus actually on different uh, weighted models they may actually drive more uh, different levels of influence or different signals of user intent rather than um, predominantly just kind of a, a post-click action through a third-party cookie, for example, or even a post-impression on such as things such as display. So um, I, I think in terms of where we're headed as a business we we obviously like you've correctly said uh justin we want to look obviously at our own base of data first party data and and also how do we query that data how do we collect deeper insight on customers in terms of their hotel of choice um, where they like to holiday different types of holidays that they like to go on etc um, which enables us from a from a, uh, a kind of prospecting perspective and a um, a deeper insight perspective to to give them content that 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 they did that they desire um, and content that will provide some level of response and that some level of loyalty and, and, and build a relationship with the customer. So I would say from, from our perspective, um, first party data is really key. Um, but I think there are different streams that are available to us to collect that. So whether that's um, through um, qualitative focus grouping, whether that's through um, the social audiences, um, CRM I've mentioned as well, um, but also, just in general, we you know even if it's physical events or whether it's press, um, how can we look at um, the types of um, people that come to our our events? Whether it's openings for hotels, for example, um, and, and really take learnings there in terms of how does that inform our future build strategy? What is the right type of demographic going forward? Um, and also just taking advantage of of, of what competi- uh, competitors are doing as well, because I think there's always a lot of learnings in terms of how can we you know w- what does good look like in the future. So all these responsibilities you talk about, all these different channels and uh, things to keep on top of, technology is moving so fast now. We're talking about third-party cooker removal, but you know, technology is every year seems to be faster and faster. With so much to look after, 
how can any CMO hope to keep up with the speed of technological change? And not just the speed of technology change, but then the speed of consumer behaviour that in, enables and engenders. Well, I think the first thing um, is to, with the CMO, I think I really do think that the data and insight um, part of it is, is so important these days. So my kind of first answer to that question, Justin, would be that you need to have functions and structures that are set up to capture those changes in behavior, at least for you to monitor them. Um, knowing that, obviously, if you look, for example, at, you know, I, I have technology under me as well. So we have a 12 to 18 month um, development roadmap and, and life cycle, and that's pretty well informed for the next 12 months. So for something to come in and so, something else has to drop out, and that's either based on a, a cash business benefit or a customer benefit. And if we see that something is uh, accelerating towards a certain direction or a certain velocity, then that that makes us question what we're doing, and it makes us question where, what our level, our kind of relative levels of prioritization are, um, and if it's for us to about us to win, and it's about us to win on moving and, and moving on, on tech early and providing um, very good customer experiences that are tech friendly and future proof, et cetera, then, then we will we will doubtlessly take that call. But I think that the, the key thing for me is you have to be in the game to spot what's going on. Um, and that's why I think leveraging um, and well, you know, these days in our in our case, insourcing um levels of talent when it comes to um analytics, data, big data, et cetera, CRM um, querying. Um, segmentation, etc. That that's giving us an ability to a find out what is what is the lay of the land for different subsets of customers. Why have we identified those different subsets of customers? Why do they behave in different ways? And then what do we have coming up to alleviate particular pinch points for those sets of customers? Or is there just a uh, an evolutionary event that is so? For example, in the last last few years, the uh, the increase in, in wallets, the increase in Apple Pay, Google Pay, et cetera. You, you look at businesses now, if they don't have that, it's not about being ahead. It's about being at, at par and parity. And yeah, just that as an example, businesses that don't have those kind of payment options are, are, are finding it harder to convert. So um, I think it's, it's also about realizing where you are um, and closing those gaps quickly and then also looking ahead to what's coming up. So you say you've got technology under you. So, and you mentioned insourcing. There's been a big trend over the last few years of, of in-housing. Uh, I would kind of say that's been going on since the last 20 years, since I was a young journalist, and there were different forms of technology out there. But it is a trend, you know, people like Deloitte are talking about it. So what does that mean for you? For you? What do you want in-house, you know, under your direct controls of work, and what do you want to be used through external partners? I mean, we, we actually have a hybrid approach. So we have um, in, in-house staff, um, working with agencies in certain media channels, um, and then other channels we manage entirely um, ourselves as well. So I, I tend to think that, depending on the size of the business, the um, the approach that can be taken, such as what we've done, enables you to first of all learn from from agencies that have you know very large client rosters and, and, and agencies that, that do things in different ways but also in-housing from staff that have perhaps been with us slightly longer that have an appreciation for the intricacies and the vagaries of, of the customers that, that we have that every every e-commerce company has and understanding that um, but also between the two of them how do we get a, a culture um, in terms of communications and in terms of what we roll out, whether it's development, et cetera, a culture of us being responsive to our customers' needs. And I happen to think that having in-house um, and agency 
university really provides a two-way structure in terms of pull-push um, of, of that talent um, and those ideas. So I happen to think that it, it really gives it an impetus to, to us um, as, as the team on the ground, um, but also it'll give the impetus to the agency in terms of we're very ambitious as a client. We're very, we push them. We, we ask them to, to do tests and learns on things that a lot of other, other companies wouldn't. So I think from that perspective, we're probably quite a fun client to work with, um, but also I think that we are somebody who, are very we're very demanding of ourselves and that and that translates forward as well so i think being in in the sector that we're in um there there is always that need to innovate and that need is, and certainly covid accelerated that with you know that you look at now people want contactless experiences um people want to be able to to go into a hotel and, and you know not stand you know in, right in front of some else in the way that maybe we would have done 18 months ago so i think it's certainly um it's changed the view in terms of the types of experiences customers uh, going into hotels want um how do we provide them um and also one thing that we can't escape is the power of mobile in the future so where we're, we're at the moment is obviously evangelizing the use of our app mobile and trying to get more people using um those types of experiences with us in hotels whilst they're in room etc so that enables a, a connected view with our customers on an ongoing basis what other platforms are you excited about talk about mobile obviously it makes sense as a key platform for any travel brand but what about things like ctv flavor of the month at the moment what are things like digital out of home you know what innovations what areas do you find you the most excited about to help extend your relationship with your customers yeah, I mean, we've done some digital out of home. We've had some good results on that um, on a regionalised basis. And we're, we're looking at how that looks um, on a on a country by country basis going forward. I, I think, as always, the key will be um, how do we let, raise levels of response with our customers using these using these these channels and these um, exposure channels, high exposure channels. So I think for us, we're like I say, test and learn plays a very important part of what we do as a business um, and we will advertise and we will um, delegate certain portions of our budget towards um, these different uh, media channels so that we can look at how you know how are we in the game for these going forward because if we know for example you, you go back a few years and you look at how social has been monetized um, and you look at how a lot of people a lot of brands came on that that journey you had brands that went very early um, and they they tried to obviously make commerce uh, entirely run through social but then also you had um, brands and retailers and and travel companies who they saw an appreciation for the, the need of brand over these channels as well and the need to to build brand and the ability to create immersive digital experiences so i think that whilst there will always be um, with e-commerce specifically a need to convert and a need to crunch numbers and a need to drive the bottom line we always need to look at how do we build brand through um, these different formats as well and i think that if you can have both those things um, at the forefront of what you're doing um, i think i don't think you'll go for quite far wrong because what you tend to see in, in digital and, and from my experience is you get some very good quants people very good people in terms of driving direct response and performance tr channels etc ppc affiliates all the rest of it and then obviously you've got a kind of hard brand lens and i think that as the, as we get towards a you know an even more interconnected world and um, with more data on you and me and everybody in a real-time sense it's more about how do those two things converge um because brand is digital and digital is brand and I think that a lot of people have maybe not had that conversation um, previously, but that's very much in my uh, my forefront of mind. So did you see that you thought performance and brand marketing? 
you see them, they are coming together in, in a sort of very fast manner but how do you see that that changing because the 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 industry the infrastructure in which you sit as a cmo it, it's it's quite often sometimes where on one hand brand on one hand performance how soon do you see that changing what needs to happen do you think to speed that up i think you're seeing more trackability in terms of in terms of brand in terms of digital brand other businesses i've worked in we've used econometric data to analyze um, every single piece of above the line that we've done in the past so i think as businesses again as they become more confident with scaling that data interpreting that data um, i think you'll start to see um brand you know become more um and certainly digital brand become more um unified in terms of performance the, the reason performance is so popular and so um highly budgeted for is because it's so measurable it's so you know there's a direct roi cost to sell with everything that you do with performance channels and i think that from a, again from a board level that level of planning and that level of um certainty businesses love certainty and businesses love to plan and budget with certainty so if, if i have a, a budget of x and that's going towards google hotel ads or it's going towards ppc or it's going towards SEO, or all these channels that I'm aware very much um, year on year what you know ROIs are, cost of sales are. Um, it's it's a bit of a non-starter because you know you can invest, and as long as you deliver that cost of sale, it's incremental, then um, everyone's pretty happy. But I think as we get towards a higher degree of trackability and scalability for um, upper funnel activities, so to speak, um, I think that will lead to um, maybe in terms of budgets, again, a more going back where budgets were slightly more mixed. Now you're seeing budgets being pulled apart a little bit. I'd like to see in the future budgets go back together because as we know, one part of the funnel absolutely informs the other part of the funnel. And I think that customers are not um, discrete, unique individuals in ecosystems that are siloed. They are somebody that in, they interpret a piece of information or communication, and for whatever reason, they may come back, they may not, but they they may have also taken in other forms of media that we um, that we externalise out there. So again, we, you know, the industry spoken a lot about things like attribution, etc. How that evolves through time, again, will it will help brands and help CMOs and. And, and leaders to tell that story um, and therefore open up the trust and the transparency in terms of what we're doing on a day-to-day basis. Okay, back to the CMO role itself for a second. I mean, first, let's get your thoughts on, there's a new title coming about the CGO, the Chief Growth Officer. There's always new titles. So we've seen companies like Burger King get rid of the CMO and then bring it back and there's all these variations. What do you think of that? this idea of the CGO or the fact that uh, marketing should be growth marketing, which I assume all marketing was meant to be anyway. Yeah, I think it's um, it's quite a logical next step from, if you look at the past decade in terms of, again, how performance marketing has effectively um, taken up the lion's share of a lot of ad budgets, um, again, and the reasons we've just spoken about, therefore that the levels of growth and the levels of um, investment you know, right at the top to produce the, the sales at the bottom end um, is something that is quite, um, it's quite linear in that sense. And I think that's why you're starting to see more about growth um, as a title, because obviously those levels of year on year growth, whether it's, you know, we, we up our investment in certain channels by X and therefore we achieve um, economies of scale and, and therefore the returns of Y, et cetera, et cetera. That's why I think that we've started to see maybe those levels of role, but 
I'm a little bit more of a traditionalist. Um, I'm somebody who thinks that there are there is a scope there. Marketing is something that previously has, has been thought of as separate to digital. Um, but again, you know, my title is chief marketing and digital officer. But I, you go back even two, three years, the chief customer officer role um, that obviously was a bit more hybrid um, because, again, customer is, is is redundant in terms of location. Um, and, and that's why those roles were popular then as well. So I think the growth, it, it looks at one side of it, but I think in terms of building sustainable brand, I'm not sure where that that's kind of captured within the kind of growth scheme of things as well. So I, I, I happen to think that, um, that the other types of um, definitions um, are, are ones that maybe maybe in pure plays you see, for example, chief growth officer. Whereas obviously in in uh, bricks and mortar and omni-channel businesses, there's there's maybe a different terminology. So the more kind of um, agitated you are as a business like maybe there's uh more to be said for the types of wording that are, are used in those sectors but uh yeah i think there's there's clearly a lot of scope for different levels of of c-suite lead, leaders in terms of uh different titling um but i think going forward the, the key objective has to be around that that big customer lens and as long as that is part of the accountability of the role then you should be able to capture most of those um salient points um strategically going forward I know it's, it's sort of academic, it's wording, but your job title is Chief Marketing Officer and Chief Digital Officer. is not that common, I would say. Uh, back to our early conversation, do you think we'll see more of this sort of role uh, as explicitly given equal prominence to the digital part of someone's job role as the, the marketing side of it? I'd like to think so. And I think that if you look at the... Um, the levels of heavy digital transformations that have been done by lots of different businesses over the last three to five years, heavy lifting that's been done, the levels of capital um, investment that's been put into those businesses, um, and also the the way organisation structure has changed uh, across sectors. So whether that's now brand marketeers working with digital marketeers in one team, um, whether that's different levels of um, individuals working with each other to ensure that digital is part of the experience. I think what you what you're starting to see now is after kind of the kind of two, from 2005 2010 that was kind of the first stages of this because it was about how does digital coexist within the, the, those existing structures. Whereas now I think it's about again and I use the word agitate. How does digital agitate for change to drive the growth that is in the the, the chief growth officer's remit to drive the the levels of scalability and the levels of um, kind of data um, extraction that, that we might need, and also to to drive um, again the level of experiences when businesses are increasingly interconnected and increasing increasingly global. So how do we drive localization? How do we drive again culture? Um, so as a, if you're a large multinational corporate business. How do you communicate culture across all of your different platforms in a way that means something to somebody sitting um, in the Far East or somebody sitting in the States or somebody sitting in, in England or in Africa? So I think that, again, it, that's why I think that separating roles and just saying marketing's in a silo, et cetera, I think we've got to think of these, these new challenges because uh, as we're getting to a stage now where in the next 10 years, mobile usage will, will only increase further, the level of... Um, infrastructure in terms of broad broadband and fixed line communications in the world is going up. Um, I think how do we deal with a, a, another set of customers and another market that will be coming into the that ecosystem in the next 10, 15 years? 
because it's not just about the people who are maybe used to transacting digitally, etc. You know, I come from an Indian background, and if you look at the the penetration in, in e-commerce. I mean, the Indian market, that's still got a long way to go. So those markets are certainly going to be huge drivers of change. They've got huge populations, large um, levels of spend, middle classes, um, and they will in the future drive that. So how we work with colleagues across the globe, et cetera, is going to be really important um, in terms of how we drive um, that level of experience um, and uplift with customers. You mentioned local markets. You haven't over the last 18 months, we've never been more local. You know, some people haven't left their, their neighbourhood for for 18 months. So how is how is a digital channels and techniques helping brands such as E-Hotel get better at local marketing, something that arguably wasn't always done that well? It's a good question. I think we've, so we've, we've got some, uh, some hotel launches this year. We've got some more planned next year. And I think what we try to do is leverage whether that's local press, whether that's um, local digital media, et cetera, to first of all, drive up excitement in not only the area where we will be launching, but also feeder markets into that area and how we use local marketing in, in subsets in different locations, whether that's within this country, whether that's in Europe, to drive intent for a new, a new opening um, or a promotion, for example, as well. Um, and I think how we use that um, has been really critical to our success because we can speak as a brand on a national level and we can go and we can do press in, in national titles, et cetera. But we also know that our teams on the ground in, in all of the cities where we have hotels, they do a tremendous, a tremendous job in terms of whether that's local businesses who we partner with. Um, and, and obviously that some of their people stay in our hotels. Um, but also how do we drum up excitement from the local area? Because one thing we know, and, and we, we do this when we open, whether that's with a local mayor or local dignitaries, is that we really feel part of the community. We we know that we are, we are we're actually launching a hotel right in the middle of a city centre. So, you know, we want to understand more about the local amenities, the local facilities, um, what, what makes the local community uh, tick, etc. And, and also how can we provide value and be trusted and be um, reputable to them, uh, not only on that local level, but also um, within the UK as well. So I think that we obviously use a, a various amounts of, um, whether that's direct response media, localised and targeted using data, um, or whether that's using broadcast methods, but more pared down um, in terms of various TV regions, etc. So I think that learning from not only Easy Hotel, but other businesses I've worked in where we've had retail footprints, you know, I used to work at MS, so retail footprint into the, into the thousands. How do you create resonance when you've got a, a brand new Simply Food uh, store launching, for example? So all, all of those questions um, need a local angle as well as a, um, a national um, view as well, purely because brands have the ability to, to really create difference in communities. And I think that the how you do that and it is very, very highly linked to how you land as a brand in those areas um, and whether you partner with and whether you work with the local community um, rather than just trying to say right well we've got a sale on it's you know 50 quid a night or whatever but you know I, I think what you need to do is create deeper relationships with the local community and I think we've uh, we've been quite successful at doing that and I think this is something that'll be a core part of our strategy moving forward because obviously as I've said we we will have further hotel launches so how we um, bed down with with the local community is really important to us and and we can we always know that we can learn a lot 
as well. So how we learn a lot about different subsets of customers, um, that, that's really important to us on an ongoing basis. So let's end up on the next stage for CMO. You mentioned the CFO and staff conversation. And obviously, the role of the CIO, the breeding ground tends to be the CFO rather than the CMO. That's not always true, obviously. But what is the next natural role for the CMO? I'm not asking you for your next, your next, you know, next job. But is the CMO's next natural role to be the CEO, seeing especially as they're meant to be the voice of the customer? I think over the next five to ten years, you, you, like we've spoken about the, the titling of roles, etc., you will see um, a, even more change in that. I, I would imagine purely because with, with what's coming in terms of obviously an, an, an increasingly connected ecosystem, in terms of how data now comes to the forefront of decisioning, rather than maybe being a um, an abridgment in a board meeting, for example, in the past. Um, I now think that what you're starting to see is again, like you say, the voice of the customer, a lot of our meetings, we start with insight. We start with, right, what has the customer told us this week? And that really enables us to be, um, another example is we go and walk all of our hotels on a regular basis because we should be walking the customer experience. So all, all of these um, types of things that we do, it probably does lead me to think that in the future, people with digital experience they will they will get to the top because i think that those they are armed with the levels of insight and the levels of um actionable um strategic insight um that can can certainly win in terms of customer um they're armed with that and i think that how we how that translates to the physical the physical experience is key um, and how we then work um, to provide value and return on investment um from a financial sense is certainly key as well so uh, there will always be that lens on return and but I, I also think that having the ability to influence um in terms of the customer um is a is a skill set that the, the, the today's marketeer um today's chief customer officer today's chief digital officer um is very well versed in and, and i really i firmly believe that and i think that in the next 10 to 15 years you will see um, even more roles at, at board level um, that that really pinpoint um, those areas of the business and and really look at how do we drive value, how do we drive growth um, and and sustainable value as well. Because I think one thing that we know is that um, relevancy is everything, and and being very relevant in today's market is very very crucial. And I think that as cu- the customer is not sport for choice, and if you look in the in the the, the sense of um, of travel and, and hotels, you look at how Im- how important sites have been in the, in the recent past, such as third party up on travel agents, booking.com, et cetera. Customers will always have a choice. So it's how do you cut through and how do you create that level of brand recall, brand resonance, brand love, et cetera. Um, and also deliver on a very good product experience, a very good room experience, a very good uh customer service experience, et cetera. And, and increasingly more of what I've just said is falling under the remit of digital. Um, the reason being is that we get actual insight on all of that. So I'd like to think that over the next, um, the medium to long term, we will see um, further importance of this role. Um, and, and like I say, further importance at, at board level. Well, Ralph, thank you so much for spending time with us today. That was a fascinating chat about the role of the CMO. No worries. Thank you. Thanks again. And thank you so much for listening. Goodbye.